welcome to Jen's Lore Corner, a podcast focused on the lore in the Diablo series of video games. Listening to Jen's Lore Corner. This is episode number 19 and it is called The Angiris Council. This is part of a series of lore that I've been doing in these past few episodes. So if this is your first encounter with Jen's Lore Corner podcast and you don't know a whole lot about the lore in the Diablo series of books and games, you might want to go back. Uh, specifically with this one, if you want to know more about the angels before I start talking about individual ones on the Angiris Council, you may want to go back to episode, uh, let's see, it looks like episode 15 is called Anu and the Angels. That'll tell you a little bit more about Anu and how the angels were created. And previous to that, episode 14 will tell you more about Anu and Tathamet. But for this episode, I'm only going to talk about the members of the Angiris Council. There are five of them. And the thing to know about angels is that in order to be part of the Angiris Council, you have to be born that way. It's not a democracy. None of the angels vote on who their leaders are going to be. It is basically decided for them. And for the most part, the angels are okay with this because they're all about order. And this keeps things in order. You don't have to have a uh, very fraught election period or voting or anything like that. It's just this angel is born. They are the embodiment of one of the aspects of Anu that person becomes part of the Angiris Council. Pretty simple to summarize it greatly. Um, now some of the lore about the Angiris Council can be found in Diablo 3 in the game. As you're playing through it, there'll be journals you can pick up. And these journals in particular are all written and read to the player by a character named Salathiel, who is an Angiris scribe. I've never heard of this character beyond this. I haven't dug too far into it, but it seems like maybe this character was made specifically to give the players that information in the game. So let's start with, uh, there's a journal called the Angiris Council, and it says, The Angiris Council is comprised of five archangels who hold dominion over the high heavens. They determine the laws by which all angels must abide. Each of them embodies a pure aspect of creation, valor, justice, hope, fate, and wisdom. So that's what that journal says, and it's a pretty good summary of what the Angiris Council is to start off with. Um, so I'm going to start with Imperius, who is the Archangel of Valor. Each one of the Archangels, as I said, has the embodiment of one aspect of Anu. Imperius's embodiment of Anu is Valor. He is the leader of the Angiris Council, and he's a pretty good fit for the embodiment of valor. The word valor means boldness or determination in facing great danger, especially in battle, heroic courage, or bravery. So that's like the full definition. And so his role is to lead the battle charge against the demons of the Burning Hells in the Eternal Conflict. 
To do this, he uses a weapon called Solarian. It is the Spear of Valor. So, Archangel of Valor, Spear of Valor, kind of goes together. Technically, the weapons that the angels use in battle are sort of a part of them because they're a beam of light and a sound wave, so, you know, it's all one piece there. In addition, when he's not fighting in the Eternal Conflict, Imperius trains other warrior angels in the Halls of Valor, which is his place in the High Heavens. When he's not fighting or training, he is strategizing about battles yet to happen. There is, of course, an in-game journal that you can find in Diablo 3, and it is about Archangel Imperius, once again read to you by the same Angira scribe, Salathiel. This one says, Imperius, the Archangel of Valor, is the greatest warrior in all of creation. He revels in war and combat and has led the hosts of heaven to innumerable victories. With Malthiel's absence, it is Imperius who now rules over the Angiris Council, seeking always to defend the high heavens from any foe. So as you can see here, the descriptions I'm giving you of each of the archangels, you'll see the pattern as we go through, comes from the Book of Cain and is written uh, presumably by Deckard Cain. Sometimes he mentions some other writings he's referred to. And... It is talking about the Angiris Council as it first started out. These little journals in the game are giving players a clue about what happened after the angels discovered Sanctuary, which I'll talk about in another episode. So it sort of shows you, like, here's where they were at the beginning, and here's what happened to individual members of the Angiris Council after Sanctuary was discovered. Tyriel is the Archangel of Justice. He is the embodiment of the aspect of justice. The word justice means the maintenance or administration of what is just, especially by the impartial adjustment of conflicting claims or the assignment of merited rewards or punishments. The Book of Cain describes Tyriel as being the most rigid of the angels due to his adherence to laws, rules, and order. His duty was to secure victory for the High Heavens in the Eternal Conflict. To do this, Tyriel used his sword, Eldruin, also called the Sword of Justice. Tyriel was known for being calm, controlled, and meticulous in his execution of combat technique. He was a good fighter, and he and his style are a good match that balances out Imperius, who's a little bit more of a berserker kind of fighter. When not fighting the Eternal Conflict, Tyriel can be found in the Courts of Justice. That's his place in the High Heavens, and it is where angels go if they have a dispute. They bring their dispute to Tyriel, who listens to them, helps them come to terms, and strives to reclaim lost harmony. Harmony is a big thing for the angels because they're all kind of one. They all kind of are one piece of what comes out of Anu. And again, go back to the other episode if you don't know what I'm talking about with that. And it's important for the angels to have harmony because that's the only time new angels can be born. There's a lot of it all about, you know, keeping things the same and keeping things the way they should be. And of course, the embodiment of justice would have the most reason to keep everything in order. And that's primarily what the angels are. In the Diablo series, the angels aren't necessarily good. Demons aren't necessarily evil. It's not those kinds of concepts. It's more the angels being about order and the demons being about chaos. 
And there is a journal about Tyriel that you can find in-game, once again read to you by the Angera scribe Salathiel, as are the rest of the journals I'll talk about in this episode. The one about Tyriel says, Tyriel, the Archangel of Justice, is a being of balance and integrity. His compassion for mankind has compromised his standing with the Angiris Council. He alone recognizes the Nephilim's capacity to transcend their divided heritage and become the true champions of creation. This gives you a clue into what happened with Tyriel after the discovery of Sanctuary, which I promise I will come to in another episode. Oriel is the Archangel of Hope. The word hope is defined as the feeling that what is wanted can be had, or that events will turn out for the best. The Book of Cain says that Oriel is the most light-hearted of the Angiris Council. She believes in the potential for good in all things, including the hearts of all sentient beings. This doesn't mean that she doesn't go into battle, because she sure has. She is not a pacifist, and she's been part of many battles along with the rest of the Angiris Council. Oriel sees conflict as the nature of this broken universe. She's aware that things aren't idyllic, and neither side is going to completely, in the, in the eternal conflict, neither side, not the angels, not the demons, are going to have a complete and utter victory over the other and have that stay. She gets it on that level. As the embodiment of hope, she's also able to see harmony in the midst of conflict. She believes that victory for one side doesn't always mean defeat for the other. Instead, her view is that beyond each conflict lies the promise of healing, which is a very hopeful thing to think about and a hopeful way of looking at the world. Obviously, the embodiment of hope, that's going to be where her viewpoint comes from. Her weapon is called Al-Maish, which I'm probably mispronouncing horribly. It's also called the Cord of Hope. She can use it in battle as a whip to hit enemies and burn them with righteous fire. Her weapon also heals, kind of, uh, in its own way. She sometimes drapes it over other members of the Angiris Council to grant them clarity of thought and emotion, especially when they're arguing with each other and not really getting anywhere. And there's also an in-game journal about Ariel, uh, read by Angiris scribe Salathiel, and it describes Ariel after Malthiel left, which happens sometime after the Angiris Council discovers Sanctuary. The journal says, It is through the Archangel Ariel that the power of hope flows into the fabric of creation. Her eternal light illuminates even the darkest souls. With Malthiel's departure, it falls to Ariel to hold the Angiris Council together. Should her light ever fade, all heaven would fall to despair. And I think I've been pronouncing her name in two different ways. I'm not really sure which one's right, so pick one that you like better and assume that's it. Ethereal is the Archangel of Fate. He is the embodiment of fate. The word fate is defined as the will or principle or determining cause by which things in general are believed to come to be as they are or events happen as they do. In short, the idea is, well, why did this thing happen, or why did this turn out this way? Well, it's because of fate. If you're ethereal, that's your belief. If you look at the Book of Cain, it involves what amounts to Deckard Cain's speculation about ethereal. 
He doesn't seem to know for sure what to believe about Ethereal out of all the material he's found written about this particular archangel. Ethereal has been described as aloof. It has been said that Ethereal can predict the actions of armies and even single opponents before those actions can take place. This is not something he shares with Imperius, despite Imperius possibly asking him for that, considering the fact that it's known that Ethereal knows about what's going to happen, and Imperius knows about what strategy he needs to win the next battle. I can see where they might conflict. Some, according to Deckard Cain's writings in the Book of Cain, say that Ethereal can slow time itself, but Deckard Cain doesn't seem like he's entirely convinced that that's true. Ethereal has the unique ability to read the esoteric and arcane writings of fate. He holds a balanced view of all things, and has not shared his views about the ultimate fate of the never-ending eternal conflict. If he knows them, he's not telling anyone, and he's definitely not talking to Imperius about a specific battle. Unlike the other archangels, it does not appear that Ethereal has a special weapon to take into battle with him. Instead, he has Talos R, which is the Scroll of Fate. Again, I'm probably mispronouncing that. Ethereal is the only one that can consult the Scroll of Fate, and it is said that what is written there changes based on the answers that he is seeking. The reason it can change, and this is a little weird, and I didn't know this before I started researching for this episode. In the Book of Cain, uh, Deckard Cain speculates about why this can happen, why it can change, and believes it's because of the crystals that are in the Library of Fate, which is Ethereal's place in the High Heavens. The gems are reportedly part of the Crystal Arch, which was made by the Spine of Anu. In short, the Book of Cain suggests that the crystals might hold the parts of Anu that were all-knowing, and so that's sort of being channeled into the Scroll of Fate. The in-game journal about Ethereal says this, Knowledge of the future grants power over the present. For this reason, Ethereal, the Archangel of Fate, is a vital member of the Council. He alone possesses the ability to decipher the threads of destiny woven into the celestial scroll of fate. His boundless sight gains him perspective others cannot fully comprehend. Malthiel is the Archangel of Wisdom, which may sound strange if you've played really quickly through Diablo 3 and looked at some of his actions that seem kind of questionable in a lot of ways, but he started out as the Archangel of Wisdom. Wisdom is defined as the ability to discern inner qualities and relationships. The Book of Cain says that Malthiel has been known as the silent angel because he rarely speaks. He's very contemplative. He likes to think about things before he talks, and he is slow to anger. That said, he's also a peerless combatant in the eternal conflict. According to the Book of Cain, Malthiel is so in tune with the nature of all things that he can deflect enemy attacks with only the slightest use of force. In the Diablo 3 game, players can fight Malthiel. When you do, it becomes obvious that his weapons of choice are two sickles. He kind of has this Grim Reaper aesthetic going on, which apparently started before the Angels found Sanctuary, and Malthiel made his determination about what to do with the Nephilim. Again, more on that in the next episode coming up. Malthiel's wisdom comes from Shalad R, the Chalice of Wisdom. Again, I might be pronouncing that wrong. 
It contains living light that can never be depleted. Malthiel peers into the depths of the chalice and can see the web of connectivity that binds all things at once. There is, of course, an in-game journal about Malthiel read by the same scribe, and this is what it says. Much uncertainty surrounds the archangel Malthiel. Once the calm, guiding hand of wisdom, he was lost to us the moment the world stone disappeared. Unable to fathom that catastrophic event, he abandoned heaven. His departure created a colossal fracture within the council, one that, to this day, remains unrepaired. And that's going to be it for this particular episode. I will go into Sanctuary in the next one, because putting all that together would just make things incredibly too long. This brings us to the end of this episode of Jen's Lore Corner. Find more episodes on Book of Jen at bookofjen.net.